Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. This is the MLR Breakdown. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corbusero, and it's good to be back, joined by the most capped eagle in history, Todd Clever. And drumroll, please. And the return of the former US MLR Coach of the Year and the assistant coach for the USA Rugby Men's 15 side, none other than, we're going to use the one and only, Rob Hoadley, he's back, mate. Guess who's back? Back again. Rob is back. Tell a friend. Uh, The band is back together. I'm absolutely buzzing. Uh, Rob is chuckling away. I'm sweating buckets here as it's hot as hell in America at the moment. And I don't have AC on for the sound. So, lads, Rob, Todd. Oh, welcome back. How was the trip all in all? I mean, obviously you didn't see much outside of the stadium in your four walls of the hotel room or meeting room, but uh, I mean, that's got to be enjoyable to get back in the in the thick things. Yeah, it's amazing. We'll get to what I missed because I missed quite a bit in MLR. It looked pretty, pretty incredible couple of weeks, but yeah, fantastic to be back in. What a group, you know, Todd, like being involved with the Eagles setup. It's such a privilege. Um and uh, look, we, we, we had some hard lessons that, you know, you, and you need to, you need to regularly go up against tier one nations. You need to learn these lessons and accelerate your progress. Um, you know, coming into it, we, we probably didn't have as much prep time as we wanted. It was our first game since the World Cup. Uh, you know, you're playing against Ireland and England that have played six nations that had long camps coming in. Um, but I think more than anything, Todd, we come away even more excited about what this group can do uh, and it's all about time together and uh, you know it's great to see also like a legend of the game Chris Wiles back in the mix as well it was so good to work with him and to see him now imparting his knowledge on uh, on the um, young fellas that are going to make a push towards the next World Cup but yeah unreal experience and, and, and so much more uh, work we can get done. It was it was good to have a have a sneak peek. You know, you took me around and got to see uh, people through uh, after that great uh, performance against England, and then you guys had a, had another one against Ireland. But it was cool. I mean, you know, once a rugby team room, you've been in one, you've been in all of, all of them. But uh, but the faces always change, the characters change. Um, just uh, just a quick question: Who was the character on tour? Like the craziest? Or who who was who would you have to say? Uh, I always, uh, I always have a chuckle with KP around Capelli Piffoletti. Uh, he's well, his brother Otty was at, uh, at Legion as well. The two of them, they're they're, they're uh, always worth a bit of entertainment. Did uh, everybody behave themselves? Was that uh, was Cam on his best behaviour? Everyone did behave themselves. Yes, there wasn't. <laughs> there, one great thing about coaching in pandemic, there's not much misbehaviour to be had, which is fairly good from a coaching point of view. Um, it was quite interesting because we were. I mean, we were in a hotel, but we were in a sectioned-off part of the hotel, so you could literally go to your hotel room. Your, the ho- the team rooms. We had two big team rooms. They looked after us nicely. Your ho- hotel room 
or which is cut off from the rest of the hotel or the training park. So from a coach's point of view, that was pretty good. <laughs> Players might have been a bit bored at times, um, but it was great because it actually allowed us to get through uh, some of the work that we possibly would have been missed if there was more entertainment to be had somewhere else. Well, mate, it was great to have you back and it was great to watch, you know. Uh, shame not as many people might have seen it as it's on flow and everything as well, but I think you guys did a great setting for yourself. The second game, obviously a harder result but so much positive to come out of those tests and so much sort of brightness to look forward to on the horizon uh, as I like to say just with the Eagles and everything going really well. Yeah and obviously we've seen uh, the impact that Gary's had you know 12 games unbeaten last time culminated in going to Aviva and the 13th game was a loss to Ireland but the Eagles were in that game uh, started off brilliant. Joey Taffete was unplayable that day. Um, and so, look, we have slipped back from there. There's, there's no doubt if you just look at these two performances. Uh, but that's where we can get back to and we can get back there quick. Uh, again, with more time together, uh, more cohesiveness uh, between the players. And, and obviously, uh, the standard of the pool is rising with MLR. Um, there's a big leap from MLR to uh, international rugby. There's a big leap from premiership rugby to international rugby. Corbs, you know that. Absolutely. Um, so uh, our challenge now is how to bridge that gap. Um, and, uh, you know, Gary's got great plans ahead. And, and trust me, the gap will be bridged. It's a matter of when. Uh, absolutely. And, and what's exciting as well is, you know, it would have helped to have, uh, you know, AJ McGinty, uh, Titi Lamasatelli, some of these guys, you know, we talk about the, the step up and stuff that weren't there as well, I think does equate for some of the areas too, where, you know, I'm sure, you know, as a coach, we're a lot easier with those guys in the room as well. Sure, and Paul CK was out and a few others. But to be honest, Corbs, in the end, it actually helps us. I think it strengthens us going forward because now we've had uh, many more players exposed to that level that might not have got the opportunity had five or six of the lads that were injured played. Um, so I, I think that actually holds us in better stead going forward. Uh, and we're trying to get these guys as much experience, as much exposure as possible so that it becomes the norm running out on that stage. And, uh, you know, hopefully we've got a few exciting fixtures ahead that will allow them to do that as well. Absolutely. You see, Corbs, the glass is not half empty, it's half full. Oh, so, speaking you know, of glasses, I'm going to have to join you, Todd. I'm that hot in here. I'm cracking in uh, the gillies. Six o'clock on a, on a Tuesday. It seems acceptable time. <laughs> all right. I think it's about time we get into the pod. Uh, before we actually do, I just want to say for all the diehards as well, apologies that this pod is a day later. We wanted to get Rob back on. We wanted to have him back from the UK. Uh, and also I had a lot to do with, you know, the Lions series, the games, the playoffs, and then Todd as well. Looked like a busy man on the weekend enjoying Del Mar. He was in New York. He's been all over the place, uh, this guy as well. So it's good to have the band back together. But now it's time to get into the MLR breakdown. And now a word from our sponsor, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. MLR breakdown. Let's talk about round 18. But before we talk about round 18, let's just talk about each franchise. Their uh, encompassing season. Um, they're all out minus the top four. And that was just secured 
with uh, New York taking the final Eastern Conference spot. Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously it's the time of season to uh, have a little review of performance. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about where we place the teams and um, our views on them. And kind of the table doesn't lie. At the end of the season, you've had your crack, you've had 16 games. Um, and obviously starting at the bottom, Houston... It's been uh, a real struggle from start to finish. I think the most telling thing is it's 16 games and only 31 tries scored. And if you look, they 31 tries scored and the next lowest was 46 tries scored. Uh, so they just really struggled to get anything going in attack. Again, we've mentioned it many times. It's four seasons into the, the, the project now um, and they've gone like one win, two wins, five wins, uh, however many wins it was this year for them. Let's have a look. Two out of 16. So there's something seriously wrong uh, there because it can't just, you, you know, you can't go from season to season and blame this little thing, the line out or that little thing or, or, or it's the player or it's the coach. or something. There's, there's something not working there. Now, there's something big that's changed, right? <laughs> so it's it's really, really exciting. They, they, they've said, look, we're going to start again. We're going to be big and bold, uh, as only Houston's can, Houstonians can do. Um, so we see, let's see the impact of uh, Heineken Mayer. It's going to be really, really interesting to see. What do you think, Corbs? Mate, I, I agree. As you were rattling it off, like, listen, it's no secret this team has struggled. I think uh, having Devet Roos miss the this, this season definitely hurt them because he's just a captain, a talisman. Uh, and everything as well. And then from there, you know, it, it, it was a struggle to get through this season for them. And I, and I think it clearly agree with you that, you know, change is needed. Let's hope Heineken Mayer is the right change and off-field stuff keeps improving because I just, to round off, Houston want to say the positives too. They have amazing facility. They've invested. They've grown. They're clearly building a, fa a fan base, even with some of the struggles they've had on the field. So let's hope that the future is brighter, better, and bigger for Houston going forward. And, uh, you know, this season, I'm kind of just glad to see them, you know, finish it as well. Two and 16 is not fun. Uh, everyone's put a lot of hard work in. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that they got to finally ride out into sunset. Similar to them and Toronto, I feel better. Good for them to both be done. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's who they played. I mean, they played against uh, the second-to-bottom team, Seattle, and uh, Seattle put 40 points. They're double as good as them. They, they've been much improving. Uh, Seattle had that great win over NOLA last week that just killed their uh, their playoff hopes, um, you know, going into it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, they lost 40-21 to 21 this last round. That, that's Houston, that is. And then Seattle, I mean, we can talk about them. They've also... Uh, had a lot of injuries, uh, coaches change, um, player wells, and, and I mean, you saw some brilliance of them later on in the season, but, uh, but definitely, you know, they're, they're not on the bottom of the table, uh, you know, team, uh, and no doubt that they'll bounce back. What do, what do you think about them, Corbs? I think it's been a hard season for them. I think they had a tough start. Uh, the team that finished the season looked nothing like the team that started the season. And the style of rugby they played and the performances they put on in the latter half of the season was a dramatic uptake for me. And I think they deserve a fair bit of credit um, in that. I, I still think there's a lot more to come there, a lot more professionalism that needs to keep coming there to keep up with the league, especially as a franchise that have 
have, you know, are de- uh, technically, well, I guess, are defending champions as such until we crown a new one. You're going to want to keep them pushing the envelope and being near the top. Saying that, a lot, I love the way that they, you know, uncovered some new players this season. They've got some seasoned sort of veterans there. Samu Manoa is starting to actually put some form together on a rugby field, getting me excited as well. I uh, love his tenacity at the mall as well, uh, bringing it back to the tops off mauling days of Saints. But on, but on a whole, uh, but on a whole, the, um, you know, for, for Seattle, I think they'll be kind of, you know, gutted that it took them that long to get it right. Clark, obviously, as coach, made a big impact and, and some of the changes off field as well, I think, really helped them uh, in the long run. And the inclusion of Alatimu at 10, I think, as well, definitely helped them a lot too. Like for MLR, it's great to see Seattle at the top of the league, the packed out Starfire. They do have a fantastic, fantastic support base there. And it really does make a difference. Like some of the best memories I've had in MLR is going up to Starfire. Um, and again, I think for the league, it's great. Um, they have turned a corner, I think, at the end of the season. You know, they only won four games. Two of them were, were, were towards the end there uh, with the change in the coaching staff. So uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a rebuild in the off season. Uh, although, like Corbis, as you say, when you look at their, their team sheet at the end of the season, it's a good team. It's a good squad. Um, so they just need to continue in the direction that they took in the last uh, few games of the season. Now, is that going to be enough to go from a four-win season to push them up towards the top? Um, because we're almost giving them a good bit of credit there, but it's it's been a very poor season for them. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they rebuild with these new teams that have come in and given real sort of injection of talent and ambition into the league where Seattle have fallen behind a bit. So I think it's going to be one of the more fascinating elements of next season to see how they reply. And the next team we'll talk about is Toronto. We've uh, we've talked about them quite a bit and gave them a bunch of praise and and commend them for you know sticking through the season i mean they could have easily walked out uh and, and sort of blamed them on covid but the ownership the coaches and the management you know obviously the players made the made a huge sacrifice and being away from the family homes and everything else and uh camping out in atlanta uh but you know third from bottom that's not too unexpected from their situation uh but i mean Midway through the through the thing, they were scoring more tries than anybody else. They were they they. I thought they had uh, had a shot, but uh, obviously being away from home that long, uh, you know, takes a toll. Uh, Corpse, what are your thoughts on them? Can I just say though that when it comes to Toronto, there's a lot of you know tough things that they had to go through, but in my opinion, it could all be worth it by the fact that they got a message of congratulations from the Prime Minister of Canada Canada himself, Justin Trudeau. That's got to be more for their Instagram followers and for their noteworthy than, you know, actually playing in Canada might have been. No, I'm joking. But for, for the Arrows, um, it, it's been a tough road. And like, like you said, Road Warriors all season um, started off quite nicely, all things considered. And, and the shapes and the style of rugby they play was evident to see. But just gradually got more and more drained, more and more weary, sort of, you know, soldiers marching on as such. And, and it, I was just happy to see them finish the season and happy to hope that next year they'll be back rocking in Toronto and that first that first game back there is going to be pretty special yeah there's nothing much more to add we just saw the energy just seeping out of them as you know all got too much being on the road I think it's probably a good thing for Toronto they just they gave a lot of game time to people like Cole Keefe and Tyler Rowland very young 
promising front rowers coming through, which is an area that's really important to develop in American and Canadian rugby. Uh, and with those guys getting a lot of games, I think that's very healthy for them going forward. Brody was a great discovery at nine. Um, Montero blew hot and cold, was very good on his day. Uh, but ultimately, they ended up with the second most handling errors in the league. And obviously, if they, they are trying to play this expansive game where they can take the opponents on, go through phases, catch them in the wide channels, if you are having those handling errors, it just undermines what you're trying to do. Um, and, uh, you know, a tough season all round. Chris Silverthorne's a good coach. And uh, I think um, he'll have them going back to basics uh, next year and, and we'll see the true Toronto and again that's so exciting for the league because now we've just had a season where Toronto haven't really been in the mix so it's going to get even more competitive next year yeah and uh, you know hopefully uh, the, the MLR champions are going to get an invite from uh, from President Biden to uh, you know at the White House just to, to one-up Canada so we'll see if that happens <laughs> yeah he was too busy with Tom Brady today but I'm sure we're on, on the invite list yeah, exactly. The short, short list. <laughs> Next team. I mean, this was a team that uh, everybody had their money on. It was a safe bet to make it to, obviously, the semifinals, but probably finals and winning the competition. On paper, investment from uh, rollover from, from the years before, looking like they are going to peak. Obviously, COVID threw a wrench into that uh, with their preparation. Obviously, I'm talking about San Diego Legion. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, it was sad to see, but, uh, you know, things you can't, you can't control everything, but you can't control, you know, you, you got to make it happen, but it's got to be very disappointing for, you know, all, uh, investors, fans wise, cause they didn't get to see them live, uh, players, they weren't getting the results, uh, coaches, you know, and, and it goes on. Um, Corbs, I'll start with you on this one. What, what, what about the Legion boys? Listen, this has been a tough year for them. And I think after all they'd shown in previous years um, and the, you know, the, the heights that they'd ha- allowed this league to reach, it, it was sad because they are a franchise that come the end of the season looked a lot closer to the Legion that we'd known with some of the personnel, the emphasis, the run to that playoffs. But at the same time, was a, a shambles at times. You know, the Vegas move didn't pan out for them, uh, and then coming back, and then they were playing at you know the Olympic Center, uh, the OTC, then Torero, then back at the OTC. You know, they had you know coming back to San Diego, and a lot of players living in sort of hotel-ish environment as well. Just it was you know a accumulation of clusterfucks that really made uh, the Legion you know have a very sort of impacted preparation but at the same time the inability to sort of replicate the culture the environment the professionalism the team nature that they'd shown in previous seasons yeah um and you know the the funny thing with all the ups and downs and they're here they're there they're everywhere and it didn't seem quite the same environment they scored the third most tries in the league and so you're kind of like They've got two of the best coaches in the league in Zach Test and Scott Murray. Test did a great job uh, on the attack. Basson scored 10 tries. He's a top try scorer in the league. Um, but they conceded second most points in the league. Um, and often you can really show your values, your culture sh- shines up in your defence. Kind of the, the, the dirty work, the jobs you don't want to do. Um, and I think because of all the movement, the different things, uh, the, the leaks of energy, um, that just wasn't quite there. And um, like, but they're still absolutely potent. 
And, and, and that's third most tries with all these things going wrong. So imagine again, they get back to home base um, and, and they can build it properly. The only issue there is going to be, uh, it looks like a bit of a rebuilding process and uh, what's going to be the rotation on the roster? That's going to be the interesting th thing over the summer. You talk about changes with uh, with lineup. Obviously, we saw Psalm. Congratulations, he's moving to France. Going to use his talents over there, and no doubt he'll succeed there. Um, but th there is going to be a lot of question. I think there's going to be a question of you know what a dual head coach. I mean, is this something that they're going to keep? Is this something that they're going to promote one of them? Um, I mean, I don't have the answer. I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that, but. Uh, you know, it's it, it, proof is in the pudding and the, the record. I mean, no, I, I agree, Todd. It's one of the things that has to be discussed. Obviously, um, you know, not replacing and and restructuring the correct way after you know parting ways with a head coach was criminal, and it came back to bit, uh, bite them in the ass. And you know that that is one of the few like one of the things that has to lay at the hands of the owners, and that's something that hopefully they'll learn from. And next year, I think having a head coach and a structured tiered and having enough hands on deck to deal with all the jobs that it entails to get the most professional product out on the on the on the field is is what needs to be done because Rob's absolutely right. Their their squad is banging. They've got great coaches. They've got an amazing HQ. They've got an unbelievable fan base and home environment, even after all the ups and downs they had. There is a lot positive there. And I think next year they'll be an absolute force and they're going to hopefully use this to fire themselves to, to bring back the best of the Legion. And, and the, the dissatisfaction of this season will hopefully for them, as much as maybe for LA, it's not great, will hopefully for them, um, you know, fuel, you know, the resurgence of Legion. Because I, I do think, watch that space, they're going to be back and, and it will be with a bang. They, they, they must be in the top four because the, the squad is the best squad in the league, in my opinion. Um, it's like, what's the score going to look like next year? So you either you either say we discount this year because of all the movement, we back ourselves, we back the decision, and we do the same thing again, or you go into a bit of a rebuild mode. So that will be the, that will be the interesting thing because we don't know the answer. They will have very good players again, and they should be at the top again, and they have two of the best coaches in the league. You did say that. You did say that. <laughs> oh, good man. Next team, we're talking about DC. Uh, DC had a good win over Austin on the weekend um, at home. Looks, uh, you know, uh, they had some great. They had some great scalps throughout the season. I mean, uh, Hodes, what were your thoughts on on them as a whole? Yeah, interesting because uh, I think through the first half of the season they weren't getting the results and we're saying they're really good to watch, they're going to click soon and they're going to go on a run and it never really happened. And, and they are good to watch. I mean, Tusitala and Robertson were again up in the top three uh, try assists in the league uh, this year. Um, we've talked about their back row, uh, Mungo Mason, uh, Farnana Schultz and Callum Gibbons who, who's been world class. Um, at the best of his game. You've got the young fellas coming through, Noble, Cassano, we've talked about, um, uh, Dabulus. Can you please mention Threaten? Threaten crushed it. <laughs> Threaten as well. Threaten, unbelievable. Some, I mean, again, he, he, does he have a policy of, I only score tries if there's five men to beat. I mean, <laughs> otherwise it's just not worth it to or me. Or 50 right? metres out like, or something. Yeah. Real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've got Threaten, um, you know, Mikey Saseni, fair guy. Um, th 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 some some really good things amongst it. Andrew Douglas, another again a great coach. Um, 
but it didn't quite click. Um, so we couldn't quite put our finger on why. Uh, Corbus, what were your uh, thoughts? Uh, mate, I think you're, you're bang on. Like, I really like the OGs. I like, like, they can sometimes play some sensational stuff. They're a great side. They've had some unbelievable games this season, and they've had some real good moments in almost every game. But there is like something I can't quite put my finger on of a missing ingredient that is equated to like wins, success, and consistency. And I think that's probably the biggest issue is the consistency. To to win games in a league that, you know, stretches a fair bit of time, you've got to just get a lot of these things bang on week in, week out. And I felt with them, like, there's always be one or two things that might be out. And it wasn't always the same thing, but it would equate to them losing a game that they might have won on a different day. And then too much of that kind of caught up with them. But I, again, want to turn it to positive. Like, the fan base is growing. I think Sheehy, as an owner, looks so passionate, travels with the team, the ability they stayed out on the West Coast with the road trip, you know, the coaching, uh, for, like, support staff, uh, all the all the off-field staff and everything there, I think, is, is, is in a really good place as well. I, I just think, that, like, they were one of these teams that probably, you know, they just got snuffed out in, in a number of games that could have dramatically changed where they were in the latter part of the season. And maybe if they had something to play for from however many games out, it might have it might have turned up for them. Yeah, and just to add, I think the reason why we like them and we like watching them is because they played in a lot of shootouts yeah. and they were fairly high scoring. But the other end of that is they had the second worst defence in the league. So that's why they were in shootouts all the time and having to chase scoreboards. Um, so that's an, one obvious area which I guess they could tighten up to, to, to really help them out next year. I mean, yeah, it seems like those missing ingredients uh, make them into a middle-of-the-table team. Uh, they fix a couple things and, and they are going to be uh, challenging for that. So we shall see. Next team that we'll talk about is the team that they just beat over the weekend, Austin. I mean, from my side, being involved with them for a long time, um, with the new ownership, the new coaching, management, everything else, it's been uh, it's been great to see their fan base been growing. You can see it in the stands um, at, at Bold Stadium, what they have at, by the F1 track. Uh, you know, they're they're a great team to follow. Just I mean, they have music, they have fireworks, they have you know kangaroos, armadillo races, they have potato sack runs. I mean, they they have a whole thing, and I mean. They play a good style of rugby. I mean, obviously they're missing it. I mean, if you look at the stats, they're in that sort of uh, you know green zone, uh, you know attacking didn't didn't convert very much, but that changed later in in the in the season, and they were all up into uh, making that uh, making that fourth place. Uh, you know, they just missed out by a couple points uh, to to Utah, but oh no, I think uh, you know credit to them, they're building and, and they're gonna you know be a, be a force as well. Corbs, I'll go to you. See, Todd, I think you know this team better than anyone. You know, spent some time there. And I think so you're in a really good place to talk about the change. Because for me, this is an absolute 180. And if you're Houston or anyone else, you want to be looking at the Austin playbook and how to turn around a franchise that's maybe struggling, you know, has f- uh, finding an identity, winning record, finding their way. The, the Gilcrest in- investment of, of obviously off-field support and, and recruitment definitely helps. But then the culture, the, the fans, the product, Noxie, um, you know, shout out Sam Harris, who I don't know if Rob was actually here when we talked about it, is a big fan of the pod as well. So it seems like a great bloke and the culture there seems great. They're having some awesome team bondings from, from what I heard as well. Like, there's a lot of positive in Austin. And I think if they can do that turnaround in like one year, like I know it's obviously kind of two because of the season and interrupted, but to to switch it from like 
a team that at times, you know, was a bit like the Houston. I could like we'd have a bit of a laugh, or you know, they got to fix everything, or it's not going well. This is a team now where you're like just missed out on the playoffs. Different year could have made the playoffs, and they're an absolutely tough out to play at any time in the season. Yeah, do you know the biggest compliment we can play them here, lads, is that they've slipped down to seventh, and you're kind of like Austin seventh, really. You, you, you know, you, they were always in the mix. They were pace setters for the season. And it seems really disappointing that they finished seventh. And look where they came from. They couldn't buy a win for three years. Uh, as we said, like Houston. Um, and you talk to all the players that are there. They love, they love being there. They really have a passion for the environment now and passion for the club that was severely lacking in the previous years. And that is, as you say, all credit to Sam Harris, Mark Gerrard. They've just done a... A brilliant job. Again, they've come up short. Ultimately, if you look at very in a simplistic way, they had the second best defence in the league, which is an unbelievable achievement. Again, if we if we say your your values and your environment, your culture is reflected in your defence, and they had they had nothing to build that on over the last three years. So that's been instilled by the new coaches. So that's a, a massive compliment. However, they scored the third. Uh, least tries only Seattle and Houston scored less tries than them in the league and that's ultimately where they came up short and we you know we talked a lot about their their attack in the 22 because they they would win the territory battle they, they would have opportunities but they just couldn't convert at uh, important times yeah I mean look at those bonus points I mean leading up to uh, the final round I mean they had the same exact uh, you know wins loss record as Utah and Utah was up, you know, five, six points because of the try that they score. You know, the amount that when they lose, they lost by less. Um, but they're scoring four tries, four tries, four tries. So, um, you know, they, they again, they, they have made such a turnaround. Um, you know, I still get messages from the diehard fans. And, and I know that uh, Andrew Sunula does as well because there was a lot of work. You know, those sort of things yeah. with community engagement. Those don't happen in one year. Those those happen in a long time. So it is great to see them reaping the benefits, um, you know, from it. But uh, you know, things uh, things move forward, and uh, you know, congratulations to them on a great year. They got to be excited to move forward. I'm sure they're enjoying their off season now. But uh, there's lots of uh, lots of work for them to do. And I know that uh, Adam, uh, the owner of Gilcrest, is is definitely going to be wanting his teams to be in those semifinals and, and everything else. But they're they they are definitely good. Good hands with uh, with Mike Sheehan, Mike Ablett, and obviously the coaches that you guys uh, mentioned in the players. Next team that we are going to talk about are New England Free Jacks. You know what? I'm just going to throw it right at you, Corbs. What are your thoughts on them? Can we just look at the run that the Free Jacks are on now? Like These are guys who have been game in a lot of games, but gutted for them that I felt like just little bits that helped them like uh, that stopped them from winning enough consistently early to sort of prosper from a run like that but to beat Atlanta to beat Nola to beat New York you've just knocked off the top three teams that are ahead of you in the east and it's just you know a bit too little too late but I love what they're doing there I thought obviously you know the crowds growing the brands growing Maggleby the vision of the club is obviously big the the pro- the products improving 
Uh, Ryan Martin, the coaching level, you know, the detail that was going into that team, the defense, the style, they have an identity. Like, this is a team that, you know, hasn't had actually that long in the MLR. Even though they've been around, they had an exhibition season, then they had, you know, a run in the MLR. And now here we are and really, you know, in their infancy as a franchise. And I think there's a lot to come from this. And I think it's only upwards. And I think it's a shame maybe early they didn't win the games. And also maybe, I think probably if I'm honest, up front at times, maybe just let them down that in tough games if you play that style of rugby that has that set piece defense territory oriented that's probably the one area that sometimes can unstuck that game plan is if you lose set piece battles and I think the scrum was good near the end but there were games earlier in where it was costing them games and and, and I think there's you know a lot more to come from this and you know players that deserve a rap Dougie Fife amazing amazing signing Wacker coming back and, and being fantastic you know you know Poland had another great season um, and then the homegrown players as well coming through like it's it, it's all sort of trending upwards I think for the Free Jacks yeah and then Vian Kamradi who had a great season he's now been picked up by Gloucester he's off to the Premiership which again great credibility for the league when when these players are getting picked up by the best clubs in the world uh, and then just they, like you say, they wanted to play the territory game course, but they ended up with only 47% uh, territory on average. They conceded the most penalties in the league. So that's obviously going to hurt you a lot in terms of territory. But again, um, something that you can look at um, as, as a fix, you know, <laughs> again, very simplistic, uh, but just looking for areas where teams could improve for next year. Um, but again, I think, yeah, like you're saying, what Alex Megleby's doing off the field in building the crowd there. They played at their new field uh, at the weekend. So uh, I, I think they're a fantastic addition to the league uh, and they're going to really drive the growth of rugby in that, uh, in that area. Yeah, I mean, I would talk about more of the management. Obviously, you know, Horsehead Magleby wearing his horses, dancing around his cabin and his woods and doing all sorts of uh, weird things. It's always fun to, fun to watch my former teammate. Um, but, I mean, the ownership group, you know, across the board. I mean, you have a couple Patriots, obviously, Nate and Chung, you know, there. You have some older guys that are very invested into the Olympic program. Um, and then, and then uh, the, some, some, some very smart money and business-like money. So it is great. They're definitely going to stay. And, and the new, new place, their new home, looks quite good. And obviously it, uh, you know, got a huge victory, uh, you know, unveiling that against uh, the top seed Atlanta. And the only thing I'd add there, Todd, you know, credit Ryan Martin as well. Someone that I've nosed a lot of his detail and, and breakdowns this season on the show. And, and you know, he, obviously off to, to Melbourne Rebels, you know, Darren Coleman off to the Waratahs. We just touched on Conradi going to Gloucester, like another sort of, uh, you know, rap deserved for this guy to, to, to end the MLR in general, to be able to, you know, get recruited upwards on, on the sort of, you know, I don't know what pedigree of rugby or whatever you want to do that people are looking at the MLR and taking notice is another, you know, another sort of tick in a box for the MLR. Yeah, no, definitely a feather in the cap. And, and you'll see a lot more, especially this turning into that pathway going into international. But this is something that, you know, you can only play a certain amount of Eagles games. Um, you know, now teams that are smart teams, premiership or Southern hemisphere teams are going to be able to keep track see them play week in, week out, not just every, you know, once in a November or a July series or World Cup, how it was before. So that, that is great. Yeah, it's exciting. Like, while we're on this, you know, you take the theme uh, and, like, there's 
initially now we've got MLR to a point where people around the international scene are saying, hey, I want to come over there and play. I want to come over there and coach. And that's great. But then we're also getting to a point where the product is like actually getting good enough and respected enough that now people from the outside rugby sphere are looking in and going, hey, I want that guy on my staff. I want this guy. This guy's doing great. And I think for the MLR, that's a big uh, step forward and they deserve a round of applause and probably cracked my second gillies uh, for that because it's a uh, fair play. There we go. And the next team and the last team that we are going to talk about and dive in deep because we are going to leave the top four alone or NOLA Gold. You know what? What uh, We talk about road, uh, road Warriors, and they were definitely almost there. You know, they beat the L.A. team. They're beating everybody else. All they had to do is, you know, roll over uh, Seattle, couldn't get it done, and then uh, they got it done. They beat uh, New York this last weekend. Um, you know, 35 to 32 in New York, which would have been the deciding factor, but they did have a drop of a ball uh, the week before in Seattle. But, uh, I mean, that was an impressive team. I mean, it showed a lot of guts, showed a lot of heart, you know, having conversations with a lot of those guys, uh, you know, whenever they beat the L.A. meant so much for them. Uh, You know, good ownership, good coaching. What are your thoughts on this, uh, Hodes? Yeah, I think... um... It's, it's an interesting, it's a very different NOLA team to previous years. We've talked about this before. They didn't have the playmakers and, and the handlers in, in the back line where they've really stretched teams in the past. Um, and at points, it was like, I think they're still trying to play the same game and it doesn't seem to be working for them. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the season, they scored the third least points in the league. Only Seattle and Houston scored less points than them in the, in the league, which is quite shocking. But they stu- stuck in there and... They were fighting and they won those away games. And that is massive credit to, to Nate Osborne because he's had to find a different way to go about it. And going to LA with pretty, pretty much a second team, all their eagles away, injuries, uh, no one giving them a chance. And then I think they won four in a row away from home before the Seattle game. It's, it's unreal that they st- stood in. I mean, I, personally, I didn't think they have, had a chance going into that run, um, but they were brilliant. And so you, Nate, Nate's into them. He, he's got them boys behind him. Um, he's, and, they, and also he's tweaked the play a little bit. Um, so now it's going to be interesting how he recruits because no matter what style you want to play, you need the players and the tools to do it. You can't just copy and paste. So if he wants to play a certain way and he wants to stretch wide, he's going to have to recruit around it. Obviously, there had to be injuries as well that, that took that option away from him. Or you need to play a style that suits the players you've got, or you've got to train them up to play the other style you want. So there's your options. So And we know Nate wants to play wide, right? We, and we know he wants to stretch the field and have threats across the because he's a very good attacking uh, rugby brain. Um, so, so I think that's going to be an interesting off-season to see how they come back. Uh, but ultimately, it's the fourth season in a row they've missed out on the playoffs. Um, and so it depends what your expectations are. Um, I think this season, but with, with the injuries, they've done a very good job. You know, if they didn't have the injuries, then they've got to be pushing on now. In the fifth season, you've got to get into the playoffs. Mate, bang on. I think the identity shift is probably the no- most noteworthy thing. The, the going from a wide, wide play team, stretch you, see what happens to a team of battlers on the road. Like this is the team that, that turned their yeah. defense round, set piece, yeah. the mall, the line out, Cam Dolan, the depth they had to, you know, credit 
from Nate Osborne to Ryan Fitzgerald to, you know, all the other coaches there that, that I'm not listing. Like, the ability to have that depth to go to LA with eight, nine players, like, that's fantastic. You know, the training squad, you know, the, the depth they have, the old boys of sort of NOLA's rugby community that gets around them. I've been there. I've coached a little bit. The evolution of their product is fantastic. And then I, I, I agree with you, mate. The big question is, which way do they go? Do they go back to the wide flash flash? Or do they stick to what actually got them as closest to the playoffs as they, you know, without without it, I don't think they would they would make the like, it wouldn't have been anywhere near it. So I think you've got to really consider there which way do you want to go with it, and then bang on how do you recruit is the story. And then lastly, I don't want to give them credit to is the crowd and the atmosphere, and you know they have built uh, you know an identity, and and there is a proper you know the gold mine and their fan base, you know all nothing but praise for them and what they've done this season. Yeah, and like you said, this is actually the closest they've been to the playoffs. So that becomes interesting how, how they put things together. And no matter what way they play, uh, supposedly the lads say that Kane Thompson's been fantastic on the defensive coaching end. Uh, and the co- their defence has been the best that it's been uh, this year. So I think Kane Thompson takes credit. And then o- off the field, when you're mentioning the team, the stadium, Ryan Fitzgerald was just a top rugby man. And um, always uh, you know, a great guy to have any rugby exchanges with and doing a fantastic job off the field and building the brand there in in New Orleans. This week's American Rugby Show was brought to you by Gilly's Legendary Lager. A lager this crushable doesn't come around that often. Let's find out. I stand by that statement. And that is a wrap of the teams that did not make the conference finals. Um, One big question, guys. The biggest question of all MLR fans, and I'll go start with you, Alex Corbusero, the British and Irish Lion legend. Are you ready for Hit this me. pressure not question? Not in, the, not in the rundown, so no idea what you're about to ask me. What conference is stronger, East Coast or West Coast? I'm going to go with the East. It's really hard. I, I actually think like early on in the season, it was definitely the East. West like has done itself proud and put up by the end of the season a real good argument to say that it's right up there. And if not, could potentially be a winner. But I think on the body of work of the season, I think the East Coast uh, probably deserve it. But how do you not give some love for LA, Utah and Austin in the West who all you know had a great seasons uh as well so i'm gonna say the east but a little bit of an asterisk because i think there's an argument that could be made for the west that's it hoadley former mlr coach of the year what you got for me who do you think east or west yeah you've got to say the east because the bottom three teams are houston seattle and uh, legion and the, the the table doesn't lie you've got the worst three teams in the country there um but i think the best team is in the west and i think and i think the best team is la and i think they'll win it the interesting thing for me becomes next year, so the, we say the West was weaker because they've got the bottom three teams. Well, guess what? Houston have got Heineken Mayer coming in. Uh, Seattle should turn things around and get back to what they know. Legion should be a, uh, in the playoffs every single year. Um, so that's the worst three teams in the league that could be brilliant next year. Uh, but then in the East, Toronto kind of didn't have a run they should have done, so they could be pushing up. We've talked about New England, uh, sorry, Old Glory uh, as well. So, like, 
pick them for next year. I mean, but, both leagues, both conferences will get stronger and stronger again. It, it's going to be phenomenal. Exactly, mate. That's kind of why I said like the asterisks because I think the West eventually found its way uh, to do itself proud. And then next next year, who knows? Uh, I, I think that it, that's what's so excited about MLR. Like every team is starting to think big or starting to realize like, hey, mm. they just one-upped us or two-upped us. We've got to go and one-up them back. Mm. And that's what like, where does it get to is going to be so exciting. And I think the next stage of it commercially as well is going to be really exciting as that product keeps to evolve. It's almost time to add another team or two into this league. Ooh. So what's, uh, let's see if George Kubru and his... Uh, not so big staff, you know, understaffed. <laughs> you know, those guys are those guys are working hard on the head. They office. are, I mate. Mean, they're they're being- understaffed and have a, a hell of a lot on their plate. That's why I laughed at your joke. But you're bang on. Like it's a it's a startup. Like the MLR is unbelievable, and it's amazing for rugby, from fans to the growth to everything else. But at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself this is a startup that has been funded by an ownership group that is plowing in, that isn't in a place where most sports organizations that we now know as sort of enshrined in the sports landscape have all this ability and these costs and revenue models and everything. I just think it adds more to the fact that credit the MLR and the ownership group that they are a startup and this is what startup rugby is starting to look at, so look like. You know it. Yeah, you're exactly right. You touched on it, but can you can you and and Hoda, you've been you've been part of it, you know, hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, the play, the physicality, the fitness, um, the coaching, the commitment, you know, all around. Compare that from year one to where we are today. Oh, it's unrecognisable, Todd. And again, the credit is this goes into a season. Lest we forget that we had a two week preseason which we thought this could blow up with injuries and different things. And, you know, obviously LA are going through that a bit now, but the product got better in a season where we had no off-season. Uh, 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 I mean, no constructive off-season where people were together and training. Uh, a short pre-season. We're attracting the best the interest from some of the best players around the world. The coaches are attracting offers from here to go to other places. The crowds are growing. Um, no games called off through the through uh, COVID. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, get let's there. Let's not jinx it, mate. We're back to COVID <laughs> testing in the MLR. Um, and the competition it, it, on the field, like we have teams competing in it right until the last week. And we're talking about the teams that didn't do well this year will be reloading to come again next year. And we, we can't pick them for next year either. That's a fantastic place for a league like this to be in. And now, again, it all comes down to, as we grow, it comes down to uh, ticket sales, broadcasting rights and sponsorship money. Um, and, but the better the competition, the better the, the stars that you're attracting, the closer the games the more that we're going to be able to attract that to our game. And obviously the World Cup coming in 27 or 31 would be absolutely huge. But what like exciting times to, to just roll through all that. Unbelievable. 100%. Before we finish off, because I know our fans have had enough of us, we have got to talk about the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. Two massive, massive games. So let's start with your guys' uh, pick for the strongest side. We'll start with the East Coast. We have Atlanta hosting New York. I mean, the future behind them, New York's gotten the best. Atlanta's ranked number one, having home field advantage. Um, 
Do you guys have a pick? Do you guys want to rap about it? What are you guys thinking? Uh, Todd, uh, Todd, these are um, very competitive semifinals, especially the East one. Like, my instinct wants to say Atlanta just based on the consistency of their product and, like, the style they play and they're at home. But the biggest, like, but is the fact that New York beat them twice and... I think New York have a gnarly pack that can handle, like, go toe-to-toe with them in the set piece. They both play on turf, so they're kind of used to that factor as well. And then, like, what do you need to try and be successful against Atlanta? You need to have a kicking game control and structure to your play that you don't fall into their traps. Well, let's just look at the experience of their kicking game. You've got Andy Ellis at nine, absolute suave veteran who's running the show. You've got... Ho- a what veteran? Suave. <laughs> Suave. I just think yeah, he is okay. suave we, at the we, moment. We like that offload okay, out the like back, it. no look. Like, he's he's having the time of life. Like he's having a cup of tea, yeah. he's having a beer, whatever he, that guy wants to do on a rugby field, he makes it look easy. It's unreal. All right, so you've got Andy Ellis pulling the show. You've got Hollingshead at 10, who's an absolute operator. And then you've got Foden at 15. And, you know, I've talked with Foden. Me and him both played at Northampton Saints in the Saris era and have a good idea of that style that works and what you've got to do against it. So for me personally, I think of all the teams in the East, New York have the best shot down there. Can they actually get it done? I honestly don't know. Like, it's going to come down to the set piece. It's going to come down to the clinicalness of like who takes their opportunities when they get a shot, who scores. New York in the first encounter down there did that really well. Launched off set piece and, and, and cut them apart and, and took their shots and that was enough to get the job done. If it's tight, if it's close, my instinct starts to favor uh, Atlanta because of the ability penalty, kick corner, try. Like penalty, kick corner, try. Like It's a well-oiled machine they've got going there as well. So I think statistically you'd probably favor Atlanta, but I've got a sneaky feeling New York have, uh, have a real shot this weekend. Who's out for Rooney is the big question for me. Um, I think a fully fit uh, Rooney, I'd be backing them to go in and have the plan to execute. But who's going to be out? Obviously, Leguizamon. Uh, Cara Pryor is now going to be suspended, yep, big right? Big loss for them. For the re- stupid red card, eh? To get, you're all in yellow and you didn't need to win the game. Um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if Fuatai's out because he, he, he uh, did not make uh, the NOLA game. But interesting as well, isn't it, that we've got Atlanta, NOLA and LA all coming off losses. I was going to say, into the semi-finals. Utah, the only team on a winner coming into the actual playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, so picks. What are our picks there? Corbs? I'm going to go... <laughs> so convinced. I'm so not. And that's why this game is must-see TV. Got to watch it. Like, who do you know is going to win? Yeah. I'm going to go with Atlanta just because just purely the home field advantage and the consistency of the way they're playing and the fact Kurt Coleman and they have all their pieces fit, it looks like. And when Glusky's back, I think it sort of gives them a strong shot to have their best game down there. Yeah, they're fu- they're fully loaded then, eh? They've got everyone fit. I think, um, obviously, yeah, the injuries, maybe Fuerte comes back. I think that will give him an edge. He, he is a better attacking option, I think, in the centres there. I'll go for Rooney, just because I think Marty Veal will, will have a good plan with alongside uh, uh, Ellis in the build-up. Um, they've obviously done him twice, so it doesn't really mean anything uh, going into this game. But I, I think they'll have the plan uh to, to come away with the win. And there you have it. Eastern Conference Finals picked by your experts. 
Corbs and Hodes. Uh, I was just Nick- going to say the opposite of what Corbs said, and then I <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Reason. Like MLR expert <laughs> is such a rogue yeah. term, Todd, isn't it? Like <laughs> that's a story of my that's a story of my life. Just go opposite, you know. Yeah, just, you know. Yeah. How do you even predict these TV. games? Some of them, like it's unbelievable. <laughs> I think to have that term expert is we're going to have to have like ten years of a league until we can start being experts. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You guys should uh, hold on to that title. If I give you a title, I'll take it from you, Tony. I'll take anything from you. (laughs) All right. Western Conference Finals. LA Memorial Coliseum. LA versus Utah Warriors. This is going to be going to Corbs. You're going to have to keep your mouth shut. You have no say in this. You got too much skin in the game. Hodes. You know what? We'll have a chat. I have no affiliation. I just drink their beer because it's delicious <laughs> and refreshing. Refreshing. Yeah. Um, you know what? Stage is set. They played last weekend. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you look much into the game. Utah came with a you know last last minute victory. They came out. They were ahead before. It was kind of back and forth, and then they they finished strong in 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 great fashion as Utah Warriors do in front of a great crowd. They had their best team out there. Um, Hodes, interrupt me. What are your thoughts? What are the highlights? Corbs, you keep your mouth shut, and uh, and we'll go, we'll take it from here. Yeah, Corbs might like what I have to say, though. I, I, Honestly, I think LA could run. I just could jump in, Hodes. I'm gonna like what you want to say, but I I'm happy I don't have to say much, only because credit the Utah Warriors and their set piece last week. It did a job, uh, and you know they deserve it, and they're a great organization. The crowd, everything is amazing there. And I'm buzzing for the coaching staff and all of them, but I'm really looking forward to the game this weekend. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be a hell of an occasion. I told actually, you should probably talk about the entertainment that, that LA have got lined up because that sounds quite interesting as well. Um, Who are we talking about? Salt and pepper, uh, LL Ice Cube, Ice Tea, LL Cool J, cool you know, J. you know, J Lo. I mean, you know. We're, Jason Momoa coming out, you know, lighting the flame. I mean, you you name the big star, they're 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 going to be there. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to that for sure. Uh, no, I think I think LA could run away. With it. I think Utah gave them their best shot uh, in Utah. Uh, LA had their mind probably on this game. I think they've got a few players to come in. Uh, they rested a couple. Um, I think they they've actually been planning for this game, knowing they'll be here uh, for a few weeks in advance. I, I actually think the big thing here is Utah obviously is very dangerous. I think Hoylsey will have the LA defence geared up for this one because playoff rugby is strong defence, field position, uh, and then striking with, at the right moment. Now, I think he'll have the defence going. I also think LA will... I, I think they will attack from everywhere. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see, but certainly from the right set piece, I think they'll have a big set piece attack plan. Um, you know, we've seen how threatening they've been through the season there, and I think they'll have a few tricks up their sleeve. Uh, and I think with Gitto steering the ship, um, DC looking to bow out on a high note, Hoylesy running the defence, Corbs. Well, well, we heard he was banging a few heads together at training today, you know, so uh, hopefully there's a few brain cells left and they can uh, execute his plan. But uh, I just think, uh, look, LA are the cream in the league because we can go down through the league and say these this team's done a great job, This, but LA have been by far the best team. Uh, and I think this is their chance to prove it. They're at home, Coliseum, big occasion, and I think we'll see the best of them. Yeah, I, and, and I mean... The- 
I, I don't think L.A. is the team that they were in the first few weeks. And uh, I know that Darren Coleman, their head coach, was, has, was talked about how great their preparation was for the offseason compared to others. They, you know, shipped them off to an island in, uh, in Maui and they were able to, you know, get team bonding in. And that's what made the difference. A lot of other teams have caught up to them. They've also had a few injuries. So, um, but, you know, with you, I think there's going to be uh, an exciting rugby from both ends. Both teams can obviously score. There's combinations. Um, you know, the, the probably the two famous ones are, are, are a Ghetto and, and Cooper. And then, uh, and then on the other side, you have uh, Cruze and, and Teo. So, I mean, what, what a battle and what an experience. And I cannot wait for it. Hodes, do you have a prediction on this one? Yeah, I think LA, I think LA will run away with it. I think they'll really show their class. Uh, and again, uh, Sean Pittman, Sean Davies, unbelievable job they've done this year. That Utah team, so, so impressive. For the length of the season, to keep doing it, to keep winning at the end of the game, uh, it's been phenomenal to watch. Um, but I just think the experience of LA will be too much for them on this occasion. Well, there you have it from the experts with both of them, without a <laughs> doubt. That is round 18 review, the breakdown. We talk about what's coming up with the preview, the Western and Eastern Conference. I mean, it's going down. I mean, this is exciting. This is finals rugby. Um, it's not going to be your European, you know, sadly for you, Hoadley kicking in territory. I think there's going to be running from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Corbs, I know you're behind me on that one. Uh, we did give you a couple of jazz when you were in, in England, uh, you know, when we were at the beach talking about it. But... You know, this is, uh, this is what it's all about. Two extremely challenging games coming up, and they'll definitely be exciting for it. How good, isn't it? Like, how good? Obviously, coming back in, uh, the, the breakdowns, predictions are over. Uh, Got to be professional this week, because it's all hands on deck in knockout rugby, and you just can't take your foot off the pedal for a second. And I can't wait to see it, and I just love that the MLR is in this place. From, you know, full circle, from a year where we didn't even know if we were going to have an MLR, what it was going to look like, till we've got here. We're at, you know, two games left. It's, you know, not certain at all who is going to win these games and what a final it might set up. So I'm absolutely buzzing for that. And also I'm buzzing to have Rob back and have the band back together. And I'm pretty sure that our diehards are also as well. So let's wrap up the pod. Just a reminder to everyone, thanks for all the support. Thanks for all the listeners that tune in every week. I see you on the numbers. I appreciate you. To following our socials on at the American Rugby Show on Instagram. A lot of our breakdowns, content, all popping out all the time. And on Twitter, at the Am Rugby Show. So keep looking out for that. From Alex Corbusero, from Todd Clever, from Rob Hoadley. This is a wrap on the MLR Breakdown Round 18. On to playoff rugby we go. We'll see you next week to talk about it. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.